much more. I'm Jody Nisnik, your host. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words found in John 16, 12, stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Kay Daigle with me. Kay has served in leadership positions on church staffs for over 10 years. She's also an author and a Bible teacher, and she's the founder and executive director of Beyond Ordinary Women, which is a ministry that seeks to encourage, equip, challenge, and train women to use their influence for the kingdom. So welcome, Kay. I'm delighted that you're here with me today. Thank you, Jody. Thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, hey, I gave a kind of a generic description, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I grew up as a Christian, and so I've been involved in uh, church my entire life, mostly as a volunteer, but as you said, I did eventually go to seminary and work um, for a tenure total at, at two different churches and loved doing that. And now I am leading Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries and loving doing that. I have a husband and two grown children, um, a son-in-law, a soon-to-be daughter-in-law. We have a wedding coming up. In the spring, we're very excited. And I have two granddaughters who are nine and seven and wow. a dog. <laughs> and a dog, golden which doodle. I have a golden doodle. <laughs> oh, which I'll just tell you all that we just prayed that both of our dogs would not bark while we're doing this. So we don't need them to make a guest appearance, but they are in the rooms with us. So we'll see how they behave. <laughs> well, uh, let me give us a quick reminder about the passage we are in. This is the very end of Joseph's story. And uh, it's found in Genesis 50 verses 15 through 21. So let me read it to us and then um, we'll talk about it. So this is a reading of Genesis 50 verses 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers, the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. 
Well, Kay, we did this passage as a Lectio, asking the Lord to draw our attention to a particular word or phrase. So where did the Lord draw you to in this passage? Well, it wasn't exactly the direction that I expected or particularly wanted to go, because what he pointed out were the words that are translated evil, transgression, sin, wrong, depending on your um, translation that you're using. And of course, it's repeated a number of times. And I just kept thinking, oh, Lord, I don't want necessarily to focus on sin or evil, you know, that people have done one to the other, but that was where he led me. You know, that's typical with Lectio. We, we kind of first glance will think, oh, this is probably where I'm going to go in this passage. And then we really sit down and create some space for the spirit to lead us. And he often has something different to talk to us about. So I love that you didn't resist that. I think that's a huge part of participating with the spirit in this kind of a practice is not resisting where he's drawing us to. So, um, so you went, you kind of went down this road of unpacking these words. You didn't really want to. So tell me, why do you, why do you think he started leading you there and what, what did you, and he kind of start talking about? Well, I, I wonder if part of it isn't that I, and probably many of us as Christians kind of resist, um, resist really talking about sin or talking about evil in the, in that terminology, at least we, we want to read the happy stories. We want, we want the world to be good. We don't, we know it's not, we know we're all sinners, but somehow we want to hear the good stories. We want to hear the positive. We want to focus on something that'll make us feel better, not something that's going to make us feel terrible. And so, um, for me, that's just a good reminder. I felt like God was just nudging me that it's, it's important not to look away um, mm. when there's sin. It's, it's important not to just say, I just, I don't want to deal with that. I want to think about it um, when we see it from other people or even ourselves. I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's a little, it's much easier, more comfortable anyway, in the very short term to put the blinders on. doesn't do us any favors in the long term to um, kind of stick our head in the sand about our own sin um, or, or sins that others are doing that may be hurtful to them or to us for that matter. So as you kind of kept exploring this with the Lord, was there something specific that he was inviting you to um, specifically in your life or a way that this was, this applied specifically to you? I think right now, my perspective is that over the last few years, God's been uncovering a lot of sin in the church. Um, a lot of things have come to light that were being hidden. A lot of people have been hiding, maybe not their own sin, but the sin of others because it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't, um, it, it might reflect badly on them or their church or the Lord, you know, however they see it, whatever excuses they give for not uncovering the sin and calling sin, sin. A lot of that has been uncovered despite their best efforts to 
keep it in the dark. And as a Bible teacher, I think what God was reminding me of is not to avoid those things with the people I lead, to call sin, sin in in the biblical characters when we get to them, even if they do a lot of good things and they're they're they overall follow God, you know, they're all uh, human and sin as well. And the Bible is very open about those things. It doesn't cover up what these people have done. And we need to be sure we do the same thing when we deal with them. Um, but also just speaking of evil sin going on in the world that, that we see, I think, I think it's for any Christian, it is imperative for us to speak out about abuse, injustice, just meanness that seems to pervade our world and and it's right here in the church too it's it's everywhere and um, I think about the harm that people are doing for other to other people online just just being mean and nasty and judgmental and unsympathetic I mean I I just it's overwhelming to me and I don't even really particularly like to think about it, but it's, it's really what's going on. And a lot of us as Christians aren't even recognizable as Christians. If you read the things that we say or hear our words and it's very disturbing to me. Um, That's right. And yet I know it can also be unpopular for me to mm-hmm. speak out about something like that. Uh, my audience doesn't always appreciate something that I might, an example I might use or something I might say. And so, so that, that would be my tendency is to push back against saying too much about those things and leaving it kind of as a biblical example, instead of bringing it into the real world, mm-hmm. because I very well could have people in my audience who are doing some of those same things. So I think for me, a lot of, a lot of what God was saying to me was just a reminder of you have a responsibility uh, as a Christian, not even just, I don't have to be a leader. I don't have to be a Bible teacher, but just as a Christian, um, not to avert my eyes from what's going on. And secondly, not to stifle, my words, um, but always holding out for the grace of God at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many good things that you said in there. I was the, one of the things that I was thinking when you started was how the sin that is coming out that's in the church. And I mean, we just see it day after day after day, sadly is really hurting the reputation of God's church. Um, God can defend his reputation. We aren't doing him any favors <laughs> though. Absolutely. And uh, so I just, that was the first thought that came to mind as you were talking about it is this world desperately needs Jesus. And we, when we start 
hurting people, taking advantage of people, being toxic, abusive, grabbing for power. I mean, just the list could go on and on about things that are happening in the church. Um, it really, it really pushes people away instead of welcomes them in, which is what the church should be doing. Um, the second thing I started thinking about when you were talking about that is that we have to become a place where people can speak up and be heard. And I think one of the, one of the sad things is it's hard to raise your hand and say something wrong has happened to me because, um, a lot of times people just, it's really hard for them to believe that. So I think that was the second thing that came to mind was creating space for people to be able to come and reveal what's happened, but then also believing people. Um, cause there's no winning, right? Like somebody that's calling out wrong behavior, they don't get anything out of it. Now that does not mean a hundred percent of the time it's correct. The accusation. I mean, you always have to be careful, but I think more often than not, it is. And, um, these larger abuse abuses that come out in our church, I think when, when they start to get uncovered, you know, like a willow Creek or a, something like that, when, when those start, things start to get uncovered, you go back, you go back, you go back. Somebody raised their hand pretty early on and said, Hey, it's not right how he's treating me or, you know, she's doing this or whatever. Um, so anyway, that was the second thing that came to mind as you were saying that that's, that's a great exhortation. And I think even as women that, um, teach as people that teach God's word, being willing to call us to the standard of holiness, because that's what Jesus did when he died for us, he then calls us holy. So do we act like we're actually holy and do we call other people to that standard? So I, I had a lot of thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think the church has done a terrible job of loving on and caring for victims. I mean, I can even look back years ago, I taught judges. Okay. I wrote a study on judges and taught it. And I, when I got to the story of the Levite and his concubine, and, you know, she was basically abused and cut up and, you know, all this stuff. I didn't really say anything to women in there who now they haven't been cut up, but who have been abused like that. I mean, he put her out there for people to, for these other men to abuse her. I mean, it's a, it's a horrible story. It's one of those, yeah, I'd just rather avert my eyes. So I I just, you know, didn't even, it just didn't even dawn on me to say anything to women who might really struggle with this story because of their history and what happened Mm. to them. Mm. And, you know, I really grieved that when I, when I rewrote judges and taught it a couple of years ago, because I realized I had not really given them a place that would, I I hadn't said nothing that would suggest that we were there to hear their story. If they needed to share it, we were, we were on their side. Um, I, I didn't really, of course, I talked about that being a terrible, terrible sin, but I didn't really 
say, you know, um, you may not even want to listen to this lesson. This may right. be a lesson you need to yeah. skip. So, so all this uncovering had helped me realize where I had failed to really welcome the stories of women mm-hmm. that I knew or in our church, you know, just say yeah. we are here and, and we know these things happen. So yeah. that was, that was a real growing time for me. Uh, it's all, it's helped me see a lot of things um, and, and realize how, how the church has really not responded well. At all. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard it said, um, I have another friend that's done a lot of work in this area of toxicity and abuse. And she has told me some of the most important words that we can speak are, I believe you, because I think when somebody brings us one of those stories, it's unbelievable sometimes what's happened to people and just, and, and they're scared because they believe it's unbelievable. And what if you don't believe me? And I give you this very fragile piece of me. And so, yeah, so I've heard, I've heard that just our words to kind of almost like wrap a, wrap a, a warm blanket around somebody and, and like cover them over. I, I believe you. I see you. I believe you. Um, yeah, that's really important. That's it's just really mm-hmm. important. And, it, and it can be anybody it's, you know, it doesn't have to be somebody in leadership that someone's coming to. It often will be a friend and we have not, um, exemplified very well how to do that to the people in our churches. No, no, we haven't. I just, we have not done that. Well, um, tell me, is there anything else as you were kind of doing this process? Is there anything else that surprised you about this passage or that you noticed? Well, in the sense of any kind of injustice or abuse or oppression or any any way that somebody has harmed you, um, sinned against you or any of those things, you know, I appreciated the fact, I know that the brothers were motivated by fear, but they, they truly had repented. And of course, Joseph's testing of them had proven some of that to him. And I did think about just the fact that, um, a lot of churches also, press people to forgive very, very quickly and to forget. It's more than just the the forgiveness. It's like you have to reinstate the the relationship. You have to fix the whole thing and you need to be ready to do that immediately. And I just thought about, you know, Joseph's had a long time here to forgive his brothers. Um, It may look like it was like immediate, but he's, he's had a long time to work through it. Mm-hmm. And we have to give people time to work through those yeah. things. We have to give ourselves time to work through those yeah. things. Uh, years ago, I had some people who attacked my reputation and basically slandered me to some other people. And it took me a long time to forgive them and they never repented of it. So there was never an issue about reestablishing the relationship because they never repented of it. They, they just continued to um, 
stand by what they had said. And so I did, I wasn't ever faced with, you know, how much do I reestablish a relationship with them? But I did have to deal with letting go mm-hmm. of any kind of feeling of, um, revenge, you know, wishing, you know, that they're in my debt somehow because they have harmed me. Um, So I appreciate, you know, this passage just remind me of that, but, but they clearly knew they had harmed him and they, I I just appreciated that example of a real apology about really saying I have harmed you and it was Mm -hmm. wrong. And I hope that you will forgive me. Yeah. And I do, I love that you pointed out there were years, years and years. Um, there were years. I mean, he was sold when he was 17, when they really inflicted harm on him in the early years of his life. Um, he was 17 years old, you know, when he first saw them again was about 20 years later. So he'd had 20 years to kind of process some of that with the Lord. And I think it's also really important that we like you just said, delineate between forgiveness and reconciliation, because forgiveness is releasing somebody. So we're not harboring bitterness and resentment in our heart, which is what you were just saying. Reconciliation is the restoration of relationship and not every relationship should be restored. Um, You know, the example you gave is a great example. There's no reason to seek reconciliation with people who won't even recognize that they've actually done something to harm us. And there's different levels of all of those things. Um, there's people that we kind of have to be in some form of a relationship with because of, you know, family or, or something like that. But, um, but there's different levels and different ways that you, you enter into relationship with people and give them access to you. And I think Joseph did do that hard work. And I, I love, um, it's real. This whole passage is so interesting to me because I don't know if Jacob really said that to the brothers, right? Like it feels a little, it feels a little questionable, this whole, Hey, your father left us these instructions before he died. (laughs) I'm I'm suspicious. I'll just say that. (laughs) Well, I am too. And the fact that before that, they say maybe Joseph is going to you know, harm us That's now. Right. And then they come up with this. Yep. I mean, I, I think, I think it's more than just a suppose. I think I would say yeah. the likelihood is pretty high. Yes. Well, and <laughs> I think, I, isn't, isn't that what we do when we get really nervous, we try to figure out how can we get out of this? How can I protect myself? And I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to figure out some way and the thing is they have not trusted in the character of who Joseph is all along. He's shown them over and over again, who he is. Now he was, I think a a different person when he was 17, but since they have re-engaged with him, he has been nothing but caring and kind um, and forgiving to them because he already forgave them once before. So they weren't trusting in his character. Um, Anyway, there's just so many fascinating things that happen in this passage. And the other thing I love about this passage are the words you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And I think, Oh, what does it take to be able to say that to someone who really intended to harm? That's like malicious. (laughs) 
So yeah, yeah. I mean, we're malicious. Absolutely. And, and I think, I think their harm, you know, definitely fits what I would, I would use the word evil for yeah. it. It's, it's just an, an evil act to either first want to kill somebody and second, to sell them as a slave. And this is your brother. I mean, a 17 year old is, it's just definitely evil. It, it's, it's harm. And, and, you know, some, and I've, I've used that, uh, the verse about, you know, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. I've used that in many lessons that I've written and taught, you know, just to talk about God's sovereignty over things, but too often I just kind of slip over how awful it really was the harm that they did to him and how, what that means for Joseph to just say, you meant it, but yeah, God meant it for good. Yeah. And, and And it makes me wonder how long it took him to realize that's what God had done. Yeah. And he still trusted him even when he hadn't seen any good come out of it. Yeah. Even in that dark, long valley of waiting and questioning and having all of your choices and desires ripped away from you. Yeah. He kept trusting God, which just makes he's such, his story is so amazing and he's not perfect either. Um, but I just, I, he's such an example of how to really trust God in the midst of all the uncertainties and hard circumstances. And I mean, he really shows us how to do that. So thank you for bringing up that. I, I really appreciate what you had to say about the passage and where the Lord led you. So thank you for being vulnerable and honest with us about all of that. All right. So tell us a little bit more about beyond ordinary women and what led you to start this organization and what kind of resources people can find? When I started volunteering in churches and started leading Bible studies, I, I was, you know, at one point my ch- in charge of the women's ministry for a year. I, I led Bible studies, all of this stuff. I had no help. I had nobody to help me figure out what I was doing. And so I learned almost everything by trial and error. And I learned a lot. And that practical, all those things I did wrong have probably taught me more than anything I've ever done right. But there's just no reason in this day and age for women not to have some some training Um, And ours is we offer it free. We just want women to take advantage of it. And so we have uh, training in how to do things like how to teach the Bible, how to lead a small group, um, how to lead a meeting. Uh, We have some some very practical things, but then we also have topics of um, godly living in these days. What, you know, what, um, I'm about to post one that Naka Spalding did on justice. What is justice is, is all over the Bible. And yet we hear the word justice and, and we're just not sure, is this really what God wants? Well, it is, it's, it's everywhere. So we have, we have topics on godly living. We have topics specifically for leadership. 
um, as the series that you did on Moses and his, his leadership and what we can learn from it. So those are the things that you can find there. And we have some downloadable resources for leaders and things like that as well. Yeah. And I love that it is your heart behind it is that it's accessible to everyone. There's no entry fee or anything. It's just go look at all the resources, find something that meets kind of the need that you are needing training on and, and get, get some tools and tips from people that have gone before you. So I love your heart for that. Thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you. I I believe that's the way God led me. This is for, this is for us to give away Mm -hmm. this ministry to give away just like a church does. Yeah, that's good. Well, Kay, it has been a true delight to have you on here. And so thank you for joining me on so much more. I want to invite everyone to join me next week because we're going to start a new series in the Psalms. Um, And as we were just talking about how Kay's reading the Bible, one of the ways that the Lord has just been leading me lately is sitting in the Psalms and these this ancient prayer book or hymn book, um, depending on poetry, however you want to name it just really has given me words, um, to express my faith. And so I'm really excited to do this Psalm series with you guys and, uh, just to guide us through some of, um, some meaningful Psalms. So I hope you'll join me for that. Well, as always, I want to thank you for joining me on so much more where Jesus has so much more to say to us. And we are creating space to listen. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.